it is me your podcast host on taylor and today we don't have an amazing floating head this week we've had a few floating heads anonymous guests lately but today we have chris boyle we guys you need to know this guy he is such an amazing guy so we're going to be dealing with the topic of is single single parenting from a dad's perspective the lack of support in this lovely country of ours and probably globally up for that but also like the guilt and entrepreneurship and divorce and separation and all of the aspects of that that go into it but from a dad's perspective instead of a mom's so who is chris Chris is the founder and CEO of Legacy Financial Group. He is the business owner tax saver. He's been in the industry for over 16 years. He is a dad of three amazing little girls. I met one of them and she is just the cutest little thing you've ever seen. He's a massive sports fan, loves to cook, and is just a huge supporter of business owners in general. So if you want to find him, go check out our show notes. You know that. But let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you very much for having me, Don. You're welcome. So we were talking one day about being a dad, being a business owner, and also being a single parent of three kids, three beautiful little girls, and everything that goes into that. So where do you want to start? Tell us your story. Yeah. Um, well, I won't go back too, too far, but uh, I ended up in Edmonton um, about 2005. I, I did play high-level sports, and that's how I ended up here in the city uh, on a scholarship. And as going through uh, my schooling, I actually started in my industry, in the finance industry, before I finished schooling. And, you know, eventually met a girl here in the city and stayed. Mm-hmm. I'm from southern Alberta and, you know, had a family and you know, like a lot of people, you learn a lot about yourself and relationships uh, through, you know, potentially a, a long courting period or dating period or marriage period with your, your significant other. And we had just realized it, it didn't make sense anymore. And yeah. so we decided to uh, separate and eventually divorce. And through our marriage, we had three amazing young girls, beautiful girls. And what some of the challenges were obviously is, is you're dealing with this internal aspect of, am I happy? Is it my marriage that's not causing you happy? Is it external forces that are not causing you happy? Is it stuff I'm not doing that's, you know, reducing my happiness or not there. And, um, you know, ultimately if you're not on the same page and not really willing to, to figure that out, usually it ends in divorce or separation. And that's kind of what happened. And, what I wasn't prepared for was the aftermath of that and how that affected both business, uh, parenting, scheduling, which is can be a nightmare at times trying to coordinate everything. Um, yeah. They're and, not even teenagers yet. <laughs> no, no. They're in extracurricular activities, but not to the point of, you know, how crazy I know it can be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's a brief, I guess, quick history on where no, we're at. But let's dive into that. So in Canada right now, there are, and I mean, this was an article I found from 2018. 
So, I mean, this is a, this is a long time ago. There are 330,000 Canadian families that are headed by single dads with one or more kids under the age of 25. And in 2022, 1.84 million single parent families. Like those are some pretty high numbers. And I know one of the things we originally talked about was there's no support. There really isn't a lot of support. So with your divorce, what is your separation like like in regards to custody? Yeah, so we're 50-50. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say this. I do have a great co-parenting relationship with, with my ex. You do. And our, our communication regarding the kids is, I couldn't have asked for a better situation post-divorce. Um, the challenge really is, and, you know, you kind of alluded to it, is that guilt factor, though. And some of that has been portrayed to me from my ex and I, we've communicated about it, but also my kids, like during COVID, you know, I was able because of the flexibility of my job, not work a ton. Yeah. And so when I was with them, I was with them and, you know, we did stuff together, activities together. It didn't matter if it was Monday at, you know, 11 AM or if it was, you know, Friday at 6 PM when I was with them, I was as present as I could be. And part of that was that guilt. And what happened was my business suffered right over that year and a half yeah. time frame. Um, but I know some of the connections that I built with my girls all forever have that where, you know, other people during that time, whether they were in my situation or not, they were gone and the kids were always around. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's pros and cons, I guess, to, to that. But the, the big challenge I had was there was this expectation I felt that was on me when I had my girls, that was my sole purpose. And if I was asking for help outside of what I could do, I was either failing them or I was failing other people who expected me to be there all the time. Okay, so let's unpack that for a sec. Who, who was putting the expectations on you? And do you think that they're different on a man than they are on a woman? Let's just get all controversial all up in here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> I, I guess... The expectations put on me, some of it was myself because I knew I had the flexibility with my job. Yeah. But a lot of it was projected from my ex-wife. Yeah. Now, her and I have had communication and talks about this, mm -hmm. um, but it probably wasn't until at least after a year where I was really starting to be able to dissect what was going on how I was feeling and how to try to communicate that back mm -hmm. and in a constructive way, yeah. I guess would be the best way. Cause I know from her end too, there's, she's dealing with some of the same challenges too. And there's some of that guilt when they're gone from her, she wants to make sure they're looked after. And she trusts me. There's no issue there, but 
you know, when you've got three young girls and when we first divorced, they were six, four and two. Oh, just little. Yeah. And so anyone that's been around a two-year-old and a four-year-old knows there needs to be pretty constant supervision. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Or you get situations where, you know, they think the, the white walls are a, a chalkboard, right? Like, yeah. So, um, so I can understand it from that fact, but yeah, there was a lot of pressure I was putting on myself. There was a lot of pressure that was being put on me from outside parties. And it was just really trying to figure out everything on how I was feeling, how to deal with it, how to, you know, even communicate with the girls in certain situations. Yeah. And here's what dad needs from you. So we got creative at times. Um, but it, it's tough. And, you know, ultimately, you know, I'm in a situation where I did have to pay alimony or am paying alimony, mm-hmm. spouse support and child support. And so you still have financial obligations almost more than ever now because yeah. you're almost trying to fund two households and you've got that pressure and you've got the pressure of trying to co-parent three young girls and yeah, it's overwhelming. And, you know, from, a, you know, our country standpoint, you're right. I don't think there's enough support from, you know, provincial or federal governments, but I don't even know how, or, you know, if there's tax breaks they, they could come up with or something like that, but compound that with our rising inflation costs, compound that with, you know, the mental challenge that COVID was the social oh my goodness yes right it was just it was tough so do you think even though more than tax breaks more than that I know so my sister and her husband adopted four kids and my brother-in-law was a stay-at-home parent because of their careers it made way more sense for my sister to work she was a nurse than for him and I know for him, it was like, it was all mommy and me groups, right? So more than even like the taxes and more than any of the stuff that the government's doing, do you think as a society, there isn't the same man-to-man peer support when it comes to being a single parent, when it comes to being alone with your kids? Like so many of the women in my life that, you know, are divorced or separated or had kids on their own. There's so much support within each other, mm-hmm. right? There's always like the play dates and there's the, you take the kids, you know, this many days a week and I'll take them this many days a week, or I just need a break. So can you take them for the weekend? And like, there's such an intense level of support within moms. There's single mom parenting groups and single mom, everything. And like, I remember hearing from my sister that like he would struggle with things like that. Because like he'd show up and he was the only guy in a room with like 20 moms and their kids and he's the only man. And it's, it's looked at different, right? Like you don't ever think about, I was, I was talking to a friend a little while ago, we were driving past this amazing park. And I said, man, what I wouldn't do to just like go sit there and hang out. And he's like, yeah, you could, no one will call the cops. But if I go sit there, someone's for sure calling the cops. And I was like, that is such a crazy statement, but it's, but it's so true. Mm -hmm. 
right? Like there's, there's such a bias. There's so many crazy beliefs on that, that as a single man sitting in a park, there's this massive judgment put on it versus a single woman sitting in a park. Yes. But that's really no, right? Like that all ties into this where it's like, what, what is the gap? What is that gap, that missing piece that's made it so that men raising kids is seen as something so different than a woman raising kids? Yeah. And that support, what, do, what are your thoughts? What have you experienced? So my experience on that is, there's a couple of things. So one, you'd mentioned, yes, there's tons of, you know, mom groups, mom support groups and stuff like that. Um, and they're fantastic. And if you get the right mix of, of women in those groups, it's so positive and so supportive. Oh. I've also talked to, you know, uh, moms across the board, whether they're single or divorced or, you know, still together. And there's also times where they find that practice extremely draining because of the judgment that they feel from yeah. other women in that group, right? If they're not parenting to the level that somebody else in the group. Oh, did, right? 100% the right? competition parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Where I have found, and I've come across a, a lot of, you know, men that are gone through divorce, have children or have children and might not be the breadwinner in the family, whether it be through clients or, or friends. And mm-hmm. it's much tougher to get them to open up to be in that environment. But once they're in that environment, and this is just from my experience and conversations mm-hmm. I've had, the bonds are almost stronger with the men who come together in that situation. Mm-hmm. Guys not, might not want to admit this is they will bring their walls down if they know other people are in the same situation as them and there's less judgment. And, you know, the conversations that I've had, especially I've been fortunate enough to uh, meet with some people who are successful entrepreneurs that went through a divorce with children, you know, five, six years ago. And those conversations were probably some of the deepest and yeah, m- most heart pouring conversations I've had with, yeah. with anyone because it, it's, it's a similar conversation that we're able to have and similar experience. And you know, at no point have I felt judgy towards somebody else on how they're raising their kid. Each person has their own situation. Yeah. And it was very eye-opening. Build those, you know, relationships and to to see what might be able to come out of it. So, um, you know, I I like your analogy about, yeah, if a guy's sitting in a park, you know, it's... (laughs) there's something wrong with it and and, you know ironically enough as soon as you said that and just the different roles and if it's reversed how much that changes the perspective Mm -hmm. um i did take my girls to the new barbie movie a couple nights ago yeah and i had heard some stuff about it you know and i was very conscious as i'm watching the show not just from a pure entertainment value yeah but you know, I was thinking if the roles were reversed in this movie and men were playing the role of Barbie and, you know, Barbie was playing the role of Ken, it would have been up in arms on the perspective on how men were treated in that movie compared to if it was role reversed. Oh, interesting. Right. Yeah. There would have been massive uproar. 
but because it was, you know, if anyone's seen the movie, basically derogatory towards men, which I don't have an issue with, but it's that perspective of, you know, the patriarchy is the perspective of what does society deem acceptable. And for, if a guy wants to go to a park, why can't he go to a park? He's not doing anything wrong, but it's that perspective of why is a man there alone as opposed to, oh, a woman's there reading a book. How lovely. She must not have kids and want to be around kids type thing. Well, not only that, but it, but is anyone looking to be like, oh, I wonder which kids are that man's? Yeah. Right. And it is, there's such a stigma around that. It's funny because I hear that from you is like, is I haven't seen the movie, but from you, it's like, it's derogatory towards men. And I've heard from women. It's like the most empowering movie they've seen in years. And the minute people said that, I was like, oh no, I'm very intrigued to watch this. <laughs> yeah. It's, because it feels like we can't ever have, I don't know, maybe this is just my perspective on it. We can't ever have one without the other, right? Like either we empower women or we empower men. And it's like, what about empowering both? Like to empower one doesn't mean we have to emasculate the other. Yeah. And they do try in the movie, they try at the very end to get a sense of that. But, you know, empowerment, I think, should be for all. It doesn't matter gender, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but once again, I don't have an issue with the movie. It, it's a piece of art. You know, directors, writers, they have their own way of telling the story. But from, uh, you know, especially in today's society, if that movie just would have been reversed, yeah. it would have received so much uproar. But, um, but yeah, it, it's perspective. And, and men... You know, generally, we aren't supposed to be, you know, quote unquote, emotional. We aren't supposed to be, um, mm -hmm. you know, in in that type of role. And if you are kind of where historically do do people feel less of a, you know, a man or whatever you want to call it, because they're in a, a role that most males aren't in. And I just yeah. uh, I think that's crazy you know, there are women out there and in a um, couple situations where it makes way more sense based on, you know, them being the breadwinners and then to provide and mm -hmm. men are great parents too. Right. So I love that line right there. Like men are great parents too. Before we hopped on here today, I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, yeah, I'm recording up a couple of podcasts today. I was like, excited to talk to you guys. And, and we were talking about that and he goes, even in my chat groups, it's so often that it's like, oh no, sorry, I can't do that. I have to babysit the kids. And he's like, he goes, and I get mad and I'll call them out every time and be like, no, you mean you're parenting your kids. Like you're not babysitting your kids you're parenting your kids a babysitter is a hired person you bring in from outside right and what are your thoughts on that language that we use and do you think it's actually like do you think it's derogatory to men in a way yes yeah, so, so 
I have been guilty of, of using that verbiage in the past, 100%. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's ingrained in our society. Yeah. yeah. And for me, and this was all part of, you know, going through everything that I did with the divorce and separation. How was I viewing certain situations in my relationship? How was I viewing certain interactions with my kids? And, and one of the things that I realized is that term babysitting, I felt was a derogatory term where for me, you're telling your brain, you're having to do something that you don't want to do. Oh, yeah. I started replacing it consciously and practicing gratitude. I practiced a lot of gratitude, you know, through COVID, especially and everything else. Yeah. And now when somebody asks, Hey, do you want to, you know, meet us to go out for dinner? And if I've got the girls, I'll say, no, I get to hang out with my girls tonight. Oh, I like that language better. Right. So, and mm-hmm. our brains are easily tricked as many people don't want to think they are and starting to conditioning it and then relating that action with, a, you know, being gracious or having gratitude towards that act. So yeah. um, I, I do think it's derogatory, you know, and we are get we get caught up in it. Um, but I've, I've just focused on changing that verbiage and changing how I perceive that act of spending time with my girls. But I was also extremely, you know, gracious knowing that my situation, I had the girls when I'd have the girls, I would be as present as I could with the girls. Yeah. So how, what is the balance that you have found being a dad, being, you know, with these three beautiful little girls, but also as a business owner and an entrepreneur, it is very different in many ways, right? Because I feel like if you had, you know, the quote unquote job that you had to go to Monday to Friday, nine to five, it would be seen as incredibly different because it would just be an expected thing. Like, of course, the kids go to daycare. Of course, the kids go to a babysitter. Of course, that's what happens. And you go to work and that's how you pay the bills done. Like that is this very tangible thing that makes sense to people. But when as a business owner and you manage your own calendar and you manage your own schedule and you are very successful, right? But that can take more hours and that can take more time or help you buy back your hours and time, right? But, and this is something that comes up with a lot of entrepreneurs. It's like, just because I work from home or just because I manage my own calendar doesn't mean I don't have a job the same as you. Yeah. Right. How have you worked on the balance of that and figuring out like, no, 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 it's okay. Even the week, the weeks that I have the girls, I, I still have to work. Yeah. I think the best and shortest answer is I don't have a freaking clue yet. And, and it's, it's an amazing <laughs> process. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, a couple of things, there's some people that have asked me, well, why don't you just hire childcare? Well, if anyone has ever looked to see how much it would cost for three girls for daycare, you know, during the summer months, it's like, it's almost two grand a month for full time. It's just, it's insane. And based on my income, I don't qualify, right. I don't qualify for any you know, subsidies subs- and stuff. Yeah. And then on top of that, I've got alimony and spousal support. 
that I'm paying. So, you know, there's a time frame until that's done where I have to be creative. And so during summer, it's been really tough. Uh, one of the things I have done is fully relocated my office to my house and essentially created an office in my bedroom because it's the only door I can lock in the entire house. And so the, <laughs> I've been training the girls to know when I'm in the room with the door yeah. locked, I'm working. If it's an emergency, you know, you obviously you can come. Yeah. Uh, so that's one aspect. Um, my youngest, Peyton, she's five. She's going into kindergarten. So that's going to give some reprieve, I guess. Yeah. But she's been in preschool the last two years. And to give you an idea on a typical day from September to June, when I've got the girls, you know, we wake up around seven, get ready, pack lunches. I've got the girls actually trained where they pack their own lunches with supervision. So they're not putting just straight candy. So yeah, that deals with some of the, you know, duties I would have. Uh, at 830, I drop off the two girls at their school. Yeah. And I drive another 15 minutes, drop Peyton off at nine. And then I have to pick Peyton back up at 1115, drive back home, usually make her lunch. And then between two, depending on the day, 230 and three, I pick up the other two girls. So in terms of trying to allocate time towards projects, uh, meetings, it's so chopped up. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's tough. And so what I used to do is drop Peyton off, go to the gym for an hour, go to the coffee shop and, you know, do emails, you know, some administrative type duties, yeah. pick Peyton up, make her lunch. And then if I can even attempt to get like a zoom meeting in, do that and then pick up the girls and then it's full parenting time. So yeah. that's just reality right now. And so really trying to coordinate as many meetings as I can on days I don't have them Um, and days I do have them focus more on, you know, tasks that I can do with them around where I know I'm going to get interrupted every, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes uh, and just have to to work with it. So, um, but I know a lot of other families out there, they're struggling. They're taking on second jobs right now to deal with, you know, inflation, rising costs. Yeah. I, I know it's a struggle. It's yeah. I'm just fortunate enough where I can at least do it from home and be around them and not have to be away from them. So, um, but yeah, if I ever find that perfect balance and I can, you know, replicate it or have other people replicate it, I won't have to work another day in my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of money, but yeah, it's an ongoing challenge and I don't know. It's, trying to find what works for my situation. And it's, it's constantly ongoing. Is part of that releasing, releasing so many expectations of what we thought life was going to look like, what life should look like, what it means, you know, as a dad, as the caregiver, the provider, the worker, right? There's so much around that, you know, business growth. I know that's a struggle especially as entrepreneurs, and I see it all the time with clients is, you know, looking at all the other entrepreneurs around you or the other business owners around you, they're the people in our industries and how fast they're building their business or how, you know, what they're doing 
and I don't know if it's ego or just having to really sit back and be like, you know what, I need to give myself some grace right now to know that, you know what, maybe this year isn't going to be the year I double business. Maybe this year isn't going to be the year that I land all the biggest contracts and I do all those things. And that's okay. Cause this is the year that I spent a lot of time with my kids. Yeah. I, I think there's some of that. There's some of where my mental, I guess, thought process really changed was, you know, before, and I'll be fully open on this, but before going through my divorce, it was, we have to have that, that big house. We have to have Mm -hmm. that nice vehicle, the keeping up with the Joneses thing, right? The materialistic aspects. Huge. Right. And, you know, I've talked about this on written about this on some of my blogs, talked about with clients, like in Canada, we are built to fail in terms of an individual person based on how much marketing is thrown down our throats, how easy it is to get credit and, you know, pay 19% interest. But for somebody who's got a really good business idea that's driven, you know, for them to get a a business loan at 18 or 25 is almost impossible. So then credit card debt to go spend it on crap at, you know, 18. Um, so we're, we're constantly inundated by, I need that next, you know, shiny toy or stuff like that. Not, I, I was guilty of that. That was something you know, starting to make good income and then going through the divorce and realizing, you know, we need money. We need stuff to, you know, pay the bills to survive, but there's so much other aspects that are more important. Yeah. And, and for me going through that process was my mental health. It was, you know, happiness. It was, um, I'm going to say living more. And what I mean by living more is truly being present in the experiences I was having instead of just going on a trip or, you know, going to a, an event or concert where you think you're releasing from your day-to-day life but you're not present. Your mind's still elsewhere. Yeah. And so those were some aspects I really tried, you know, focusing on the, the perception of the all American or all Canadian family and not living within that was never actually a, a thought for me. It, it wasn't a, Oh, I, you know, I'm not the traditional family. I'm something's wrong with me. That was never there. Awesome. Uh, and I was very, very fortunate to grow up in a household where like my parents are still in love with each other. They're mushy at times still. They're celebrating <laughs> their 45th wedding anniversary. And Amazing. Grow up, grew up in a very, very positive household. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I think maybe some of the aspects on, our separation slash time frame from when things were not good to when things were officially ended, that might have drug on a little bit, mainly because of the kids. I don't know if I would say it was because of the family concept, but in that situation, I was still able to be around my girls 100% of the time, yeah. even though you know other aspects of family life weren't great. Yeah. So for somebody else going through this, what do you recommend 
for them? First thing is, is try to be as self-conscious as possible on what you're going through, what you're feeling and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if it's journaling, writing stuff down on how you're feeling and what aspects are making you feel a certain way that you can self-reflect on yeah. and then talk to somebody, whether it's counselor, um, you know, hopefully a counselor, because sometimes, you know, friends have best interest in mind but usually it's a biased view or always they put in their <laughs> own experiences in their advice. Yeah. Um, so, so that would be one thing. And then the other is really practice gratitude. And even if it's little stuff, um, there's one book that I read, I think it's called the happiness effect. I can get it somewhere. Um, I'll get you to send me the link for that so we can put it in the show notes for people. Sure. Um, And it it was a really good book that started getting you to do little things. Um, You know, even just 15 minute walk a day, Um, you know, taking pictures of, of stuff that makes you smile and then reflecting on it through a journal or, you know, digital aspects. So um, that was something that really helped. And then, Take time to be by yourself. Like when you are alone, I know, you know, some people that are single, the first thing they want to do is get back out in the dating scene and the nightmare that that is. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, Seems it, so it, easy right now to date. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> is really taking that time and being comfortable with, with yourself. Yeah. You know, and, take that time to work on yourself. Um, one of the best things I did is me and a buddy, uh, we went down to Mexico for 10 days and this was, I don't know, a year and a half after I fully separated and stuff like that. And it was just nice to get away. Plus that was kind of right at the, near the end of COVID and stuff like that. Um, and just appreciating, you know, a trip like that being with, you know, a, a friend that supported, you know, me, not in terms of supported me and, you know, the divorce just knew what I was going through, was just there. And just, we ended up meeting about five couples from all over North America where we were down there and we still oh, keep wow. in with all of them. We're planning another trip together as a group. Um, so just kind of the memories, the people I met and stuff like that was mm-hmm. the great thing. So, so yeah, self-reflect practice gratitude and take a trip (laughs) (laughs) spend some time alone yeah spend some time alone figuring out what you really want and what you want to do moving forward is there raising your daughters what is it you really want to instill in them because I often will talk to people about, especially when going through a divorce or in building business or doing different things is there's kind of two sides to it. Often people are like, nope, my kids need hundred percent of my time and my attention. And that's what I need them to see is that they're my number one. And other people are like, no, I really want my kids to see what it means to work hard and to build a business and to see that, like, I want my kids to see that in me. And I'm going to explain that to them and have them incorporated in it. What is your mindset on that? And what is it you want to instill in your kids? 
yeah so the first part it's it's finding that balance mm-hmm. again and that's tough and um you know aria's nine she's my oldest and she can definitely comprehend stuff like i can have pretty deep conversations with her yeah and she was the one that came up to me a couple of weeks ago where i was on the computer working kids are home and she's like daddy when are you going to spend time with us and so you know i had to sit down with her and have a conversation and you know this is what daddy needs to do to pay for where we live you know if you want to do extracurricular yeah. stuff you know we need money to do that and, and so she understood to a certain degree but then there's that emotional logical thing that <laughs> for a nine-year-old that's going through probably some hormonal changes and everything else <laughs> yeah you know the deep comprehend on that is you know we're here you're here we want you to spend time with us not do what you need to do right? totally so there's that but I did have the conversation with her too is you know I want you guys to work hard I want you guys to not be dependent on on anyone and there's no sexism here but whether it's a guy or a girl or you know me yeah. or you know your mom you guys need to learn how to be self-sufficient and part of that is is working hard and being passionate about something so to answer your second question what do I want to still in my girls is follow their passion and we're in a world where if you have a passion you can find a way to make a living from it yeah doesn't matter what it is there there's a way you can do it um so you know there's a ton of other stuff but at the end of the day if they're following what they really want and it's something that they truly you know are passionate about there's a certain level of of happiness that they carry with them mm-hmm. as opposed to you know like many people you probably let something that you really wanted to chase off to the side because of other commitments or society and how it perceives you if you were to chase that compared to you know what you should be doing or what society oh the should be's <laughs> so yeah um, yeah that that would be the you know the short quick answer i guess on that yeah is there any support short of government tax all that right cuz government's a gong show are there <laughs> okay. and whoever wherever you're listening to this because I know where people are from I don't think there's a government out there that isn't a gong show when it comes to that or that just isn't a gong show in general right now um are there any supports that you think need to be introduced or thought of or you know as friends as siblings as you know as a society that we could give to dads that would step it up a little bit. That would help. That would, I mean, it could be a reaction. It could be a response to something. It could be, you know, stepping in to help babysitter, invite them, invite you into a, a parent group. What kind of supports would you like to see, or do you think need to happen? Yeah. Well, just to quickly touch on the government stuff, I do think, and this is across all boards. This isn't just for divorced dads, but uh, mental health access should be free in Canada. I, I think that we've got enough, um, you know, resource if it, if it's done effectively and efficiently, Mm -hmm. 
because we spend, we waste so much dollars, especially on the medical uh, side of things uh, from a government standpoint. Um, but that's another conversation for another it's a whole day. other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in, in terms of support from society, you know, guys might not want to hear this, but we have to take a lot of ownership ourselves first. I, I think we have to be the ones to change the stereotype and not care what society thinks and do what we know is best for us and to find like-minded people that we want to associate with on that front and learn from. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you're a family member of somebody going through a situation like this, you know, I'm in a unique situation where I, I do all the cooking. I cook, but there are a lot of men who don't know how to turn on a stove if they've been with a wife mm -hmm. that does all the cooking. Um, so don't ask, just show up with food yeah. and stay here. That, that's one thing I think could help a lot of you know, guys in that situation. Um, you know, the second, and I'm fortunate I do have this situation. I've got aunts, not my aunts, but aunts of the kids. Um, yeah. My grandparents, they'll ask if the kids want to have a sleepover or one of them have a sleepover. Oh, nice. It, it just alleviates some of the, I guess, pressure, um, but also gives the kids a different experience. Yeah. Right. Um, now, outside of that, is just be positive, like have a positive aura. Don't, I know it's easy, you know, to be biased in a situation like this where, you know, one party is obviously closely tied to, you know, the, the man or the woman uh, through a divorce or separation. Don't bash the other party because your kids, they're around that. They hear that and mm -hmm. to just make sure that they're in a positive surrounding and at the end of the day you're tied to your partner for the rest of your life whether you're married to them or not and so really try rebuilding that friendship that is a whole conversation in and of itself right there i i don't think so i work with kids ages 12 and up but right now, especially a lot of like the 16 to 25 year olds. And I don't think parents understand how much damage it does when you badmouth the other parent, when you put them down, when you badmouth them, when you make snide remarks, when you're like, Oh, of course they didn't do that. All of those, all of those little bitey remarks are so hard on your kids. Yeah, because they don't know what to do, how to feel. Yeah. Do they need to start picking a side? Like, it's just, yeah, they go through so much now with everything from social media to everything else going on in the All world. All of it. Mm -hmm. Not another thing that they need to, you know, have to deal with or have to, you know, emotionally process. The amount of people that grew up feeling guilty for loving someone, guilty for loving a parent, guilty for loving a step-parent, guilty for connecting to someone else. 
I think if, if anyone ever did a study on that, it would blow people's minds. Yeah. It's... So kudos to you for that. Well, Seriously. And for working so hard at that is to have that amazing relationship with your ex. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's not just easy. It's not like, okay, let's divorce. Let's be best friends. You know? No, <laughs> not at all. You put time in, you know, you have to sacrifice. Sometimes you yeah. bite your tongue. Um, but you know, it's, it's a long game. It's knowing, you know, the girl's experience on how slight adjustments can change everything. Yeah. I love that. Chris, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, for doing this podcast, for being so vulnerable and open about this. I think it's a topic that needs to be talked about. I think that <laughs> we need to stop judging the men in the park, okay? They're not all bad. <laughs> they might be there to read too. Yeah. Sure. Right? But also to like give yourself the grace and to give yourself the understanding of like, hey, you know what? It's, it might be the impossible thing is to find that perfect balance, but your girls will know how much you love them how much you care for them, the connections it's, I've always said this, and I remember this even growing up is it's never about quantity, right? It's quality. Yeah. And I, you know, got three of them. One of them's probably going to stick around and look after me when I'm old. So I've at least got some. <laughs> you have a one in three chance. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> that is awesome. I love that so much. Thank you for hanging out with us. And for the listeners, I hope that you heard something different today, something shifted in you. Maybe a, a perspective was shifted a little bit on what it is like. And if you are a single dad and you are needing some support or for if you're looking for a grant or for your business stuff, I know Chris does all kinds of crazy cool stuff through his company. So check out the show notes at the taylorway.ca which is where you can find all of his contact information. Also a link to the book on the happiness effect. I think you said it was. Yeah, I'll try So we that. can share that with you, but please join us again in two weeks for another topic. And don't forget to check out those show notes, learn more about Chris. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you love the show, leave a reading and review. See you guys in a couple of weeks. Oh, 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 oh,